0: Three higher ed authors, 100 plus college and university presidents, dozens of actionable insights for academic leaders. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education is now available on Amazon.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to ed up on the ed up experience podcast, where we make education your business. I'm your guest host for this episode, Bill Pepicello former University of Phoenix president and host of my own podcast called Ed Up Insights and author of the book, Leadership on the Field of Play, which is available on Amazon. And as the guest host, I get to plug that stuff. Now, my uh, guest co-host today is Dr. Arthur Kaiser, who is the chancellor of Kaiser University Um, which is in Florida and international, and he's basically everywhere these days. Art and I um, have been associated for decades, I guess we could say. We uh, knew each other from the time that I took uh, the University of Phoenix into Florida, um, served on some committees there, and then we served most recently together on the National Advisory Committee on Institutional Quality and Integrity, also known as Nasiki, which is an advisory board to the Department of Education, which is to say that um, we know way more about each other than we ought to. So, Art, welcome to the podcast.
2: It's good to be here, Bill.
1: Great to have you. And our guest today is Dr. Elisa Stevens, who is the president of the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Uh, was established in 1929, and she is a third generation president of the university. So I'll be interested to see what she and Art have in common about having family-based um, businesses. So welcome, Dr. Stevens. If you don't mind, we'll call you Elisa. Perfect. All right. Well, we're, we're very happy to have you Uh, with us today because you run a a fascinating institution out there. Um, So I wonder if you might just tell us a little bit about it, how you became a third generation president and a little bit about what you do, uh, because you do a lot of things.
3: (laughs) Well, I'd be happy to. My grandfather was a a painter, an artist, a, a professional artist. He made a living at it. And he was also uh, art director for Sunset Magazine. And in 1929, the year of our Great Depression, he and my grandmother had the courage to start the Academy of Art. And they started as a small mom and pop school with probably 15 students. And it was called at the time, the Academy of Advertising Art. And they were making art directors who uh, were very popular in the 30s. Uh, And the pedagogy that my grandfather had was that in order to uh, train an artist, make an artist, and create a portfolio for that artist, you needed to have someone who is teachers who were actually in the field, professional artists in the classroom, so that students were trained by artists, uh, the thought process there was that art's moving very fast and that you had to have an instructor who was actually doing the work uh, in order to convey the work so that the portfolio would look current. Uh, he also had a, a, a belief system that you uh, accept everyone. He had a, a no barriers policy and he really felt that everybody deserved an opportunity to try their hand literally at being an artist. Uh, And so he really created a level playing field for people from all sorts of backgrounds, all socioeconomic backgrounds, so that they could reach their highest potential. A lot of, he recognized early on that um, uh, many Americans weren't given access to private art education lessons in high school. They may have gone to high schools that didn't have the type of art instruction or equipment necessary to uh, deliver art education in high school. So he felt everybody who thought they might want to be an artist should have a chance to try to be an artist.
1: That's amazing. And from that humble beginning, Um, you now offer an amazingly wide range of programs. Can you talk a little bit about what that wide range is and and how you developed it in that way?
3: Well, we went from the Academy of Advertising Art to adding photography and then um, adding uh, subject matter that complement photography. But when I came on board, uh, the computer was really the tool for the artist. So we, as a university invested heavily in technology, always maintaining our core curriculum of hand skills, drawing, color and design, the time-honored principles, but then layering the computer uh, technology on top of that. And we haven't changed that philosophy. You know, our past, present, future is the same. You have to have the hand skills and technology may change, but we embrace technology and have the latest technology. And of course, AI is what everybody's talking about now. And we've had AI uh, in our curriculum embedded for over a year uh, in advertising, in industrial design, uh, in game design. It's all uh, it's AI driven. Advertising has been using, the industry has been using AI for a year year or two. So we embrace it. We see that as a tool uh, of the artist. They still need the fundamental principles to live in an AI world. In other words, the artist needs to create the prompts. They need to have their eye cultivated as an artist's eye is in order to improve what the machine puts out. You know, I don't think people talk about is the machine going to replace human beings? I think they'll, it's not gonna replace artists because artists are driving the machine. The machine might be able to quickly iterate a hundred times in a very short period of time, uh, the process that artists uh, undertake when they're doing iterations, but the iterations need prompts. The artist needs to know what he or she's looking at, make the machine change it. And then they get a drawing, they get the concept, but that doesn't mean that concept works. In other words, if it's a shoe, how's the shoe feel? How does it operate? Is it for the targeted audience? And the same is true in fashion, in car design. You don't know what that how that car drives, you don't know how that car feels, but you're given this rapid prototyping, this iteration that uh inspires the artist and makes the end product better. I think the machine only knows what it knows, what it's been told to know. So it can't create. Um, and people, human beings are illogical. We're passionate people. You know, we buy a dress not because it's practical, because it cut, co- you know, it's for warmth or covers our skin. We buy it because we love that dress. So the machine doesn't have that component. So AI is uh, an exciting time for artists to be uh, working with it. We're, we're uh, modifying it. It has to be watched by the artist.
1: Okay, I've got one more follow-up question and then Art, I'm gonna throw it over to you. Um, and that is a, a question about how you would define the fine arts, because as we look at your curricula, I mean, it, it spans everything from dance to social media management, uh, art, everything in between. How, how do you, how, how does all that play for you?
3: Well, we encourage our students to um, defy the ordinary and create the extraordinary. And they have a wide range of curriculum, uh, the curricula to do that with. So we have fine art which is painting, sculpture, printmaking, lithography. We have photography, which has a fine art component as well as documentary and photo illustration. Um, and we go all the way to architecture, fashion, game design, car design, product design, acting, film, uh, writing for uh, media and music for visual media. and. Many of these art forms do converge in the computer. Um, If you have a website, you have a design, you have color, you have sound, you have music, you have actors, you have video. So there's a lot of crossover now uh, in the arts.
1: Very interesting. Art?
2: Alisa. it's good to see you. Good to be with you. you. You have, I've been to your campus. And that's an interesting definition. Could you describe your campuses, which is really the city of San Francisco, to the listeners? Because I think it is truly remarkable what you've accomplished, what your family has accomplished in San Francisco.
3: Well, we, because of our diverse curriculum, we've looked to find facility Uh, that inspire artists for that program. Uh, All these different cities of art need different facilities. So rather than having one big campus, which is difficult to do in an impacted tight city like San Francisco, we found very interesting facility that support um, the drawers, that support uh, film studios, that support game design and animation. And so we've used San Francisco as our campus uh, and we transport the students among the various buildings on our own buses. Uh, And it's been, uh, it teaches the students how to be on time. It teaches the students the city. It, uh, It puts a little bit of a challenge for them to get to know the city quickly, a lot many students aren't from San Francisco, and uh, this exposure helps them uh, acclimate quicker.
2: As you just mentioned, your students are from all over. Describe your students, if you can. I don't know if you can, but if you can, and uh, you know your unique uh, use of dormitories in your in in san francisco
3: so our student population we have maybe a good number of international students we're a very diverse school which makes for a very exciting uh output of art and design um students live in the dorms we have 1800 beds uh and In each dorm, there are study rooms with computers so that they don't even have to leave their dorm in order to do their homework. Um, We, of course, that's where clubs are and we're also NC2A Division II sports, be be artists, be athletes, our motto. Um, So we really use the footprint of San Francisco. Artists like San Francisco. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. And artists see more than most other students and other people. And by being in a very beautiful environment, it helps inspire them.
2: You also attract a lot of international students, do you not?
3: We do. We have uh, a good number of Scandinavian students. We have a good number of students from the Pacific Rim, uh, spanning from India.
1: China, Taiwan, Korea, Japan. Wow. Well, I want to follow up on one thing you talked about, and that is your athletic programs. You are the Urban Knights, if I remember correctly. How in the world does that happen? I mean, given the nature of your campus and your students, how do you see the relation of art and athletics?
3: Um, <clears throat> We have advisory boards set up and they inform us on curriculum and on content. And one of the uh, common themes from the advisory boards that are comprised of professional artists, Academy Award winners, um, is collaboration among artists. So in the spirit of teaching collaboration, We felt sports epitomizes collaboration better than almost anything. If you're going to uh, hit a home run, you need the team. If you're going to make a touchdown, you need the team. uh, Basketball, you need the team. So we wanted to have a spirit of collaboration inculcated throughout our university. And we felt that athletics shows that collaboration better than almost anything. And so it's been effective um, integrating itself in the university because we have so many collaborations now that we set up within our university. We must run 40 collaborations where students from all departments come in and work on a project together, each student playing a role exactly like they would in the industry that they're
1: going into. Wow. I mean, I was just blown away seeing that <laughs> you've actually, you're in the pack West and um, one would not have expected that. Um, I want to change direction a little bit. I'm going to throw something out for both you and Art, since you have something in common. Um, and I'd like to uh, hear what you think about are the challenges and the opportunities of, of being in a, a multi generational uh, operation? Um, Art, of course, is uh, ha- has been at the head of Kaiser University for well forever, huh? Art, um, and uh, so there's a there's a long legacy there as uh, as you have, Elisa. And so we'll start with you, Elisa. What what are the challenges, and then Art, I'll ask you to follow up on. Uh,
3: how you react to that um, well I think there are there's challenges in in all schools um, because it's a customer service business and and you're dealing with people uh, and young people uh, and and sometimes people who are middle-aged with ha- jobs and children and yet they're still so interested in lifelong learning and and maybe it, Getting that degree that they weren't able to get when they were young. I think the challenge of education, you know, generationally, we've um, I think for in the academy's case, it'll be uh, who's the next president? You know it's uh, I think art's in a good position. He's got a wonderful son. They have a wonderful relationship. Uh, and I have a son, but he's very young. He's too young right now. So I think for me, the challenge will be who becomes the next president uh, as I, you know, either segue to the board? Uh, and I think in a family uh, school, that's always a question on the net, the leadership, who's going to be the the next leader. Um, the challenges in education today, We were early adopters of online education. We uh, put uh, online in, in 2001, we spent tens of millions of dollars on it. Uh, It's very robust. We spent another $30 million on it during the pandemic to improve it. So our investment in online, has always been there since 2001. And that's primarily due to the fact my grandparents were in the 1906 earthquake and I'm preparing for another earthquake in San Francisco. And I just wanted to make sure that our students could continue their education in the event San Francisco um, was, was badly hurt like it had been before in 1906. So I think the challenge is always keeping the school alive. You know, you see schools like Harvard, Princeton, Yale, you know, I want the Academy of Art University to uh, survive way beyond me or the Stevens family, and that's the challenge. How do you take a family school uh, like Stanford, and was a family school, and then make it live in perpetuity? And that's that's a, that's my goal.
0: You know that the world of higher education is experiencing evolutions and revolutions. You want to be part of the progress. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education with insights from more than 100 college and university presidents will show you how. Get your copy of Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education now on Amazon right away. We think you're going
1: to love it. It's amazing. Art, how's that compare to your experience?
2: Very similar. Um, I think... But Elisa has, and I think uh, my family has, is we have a passion for it, and it's we're very passionate about the organization, about people, and that's pretty hard to duplicate. And when I've seen families involved in schools, whether it be the Hersings or the uh, uh, Dreyfusses, the passion for the institution, for the people it really sends home the message, this is a good school. It's a school where you'll be taken care of uh, as a student. And it's something, I think Elisa put it correctly. We want it to survive long beyond us. We want this to be our legacy. And we want, uh, uh, we don't see any reason why, you know, in 400 years, like Harvard was in 1634, why can't we be the Harvards of the future? And uh, again, Harvard started as a school for teaching the ministry. So and Ben Franklin started a small school called the uh, Franklin Academy, I guess, like yours. It's now the University of Pennsylvania. And, you know, if we have something in life that we can give, this is what we want to give all of our life is to help kids become better, to reach their career objectives. Uh, I have a little different issues than Alisa, uh, because we're nonprofit and that creates uh, different challenges, but not too dissimilar. I am as concerned as she is about who replaces me. This is my 45th year uh, in, at Kaiser University. We started with one student, she was late, and today we have over 20,000 students, but um, leadership is everything, culture is everything, and we wanna make sure that both those things continue.
1: Well said, and uh, I've had the pleasure of, of watching art over many of those forty five years. Um, and it's uh, it's a tribute it's a tribute to your ability. well um, let me let me switch uh, switch gears again because that's what I do as the host, you know. Um, but one of the 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 things I'd like you to talk about a little bit, Elisa, are your industry partners. so that you know people have wondered, well, what happens after your students are, are gone? Where do they go? Who, who wants your students? Um, and who are you working with out there?
3: Well, we ha- have um, strong industry partnerships um, in the car design area. Um, we have sponsored projects with Ford. Uh, we've had it with Jaguar, uh, Audi, um, Stellantis um so a lot of those car companies hire our students um uiux graphic design and brand communication uh which includes advertising communications um google is a big hires um we have apple hires in the game design industry we have zenga we've had ele- electronic arts We have Blizzard, we have um, the top, you know, San Francisco is sort of the game hub, it still is. Uh, Mm -hmm. So a lot of the companies that are indigenous to San Francisco hire. Um, We have Academy Award winners. So we have people on independent films, Sundance winners. Fashion, they've worked for Alexander McQueen, uh, They've worked Masonis, Oscar de la Renta. So we've been able, really fortunate to have a lot of good, good industry partners.
1: And it's interesting to see also that while you're going in that direction, it appears to me that you're also really interested in infusing the arts into the community. Uh, I see you have a, you know, a continuing education program and even a pre-college art and design experience. So could you talk a little bit about those things?
3: The pre-college art and design experiences, we take students as young as 14 and we uh, let them come in and have access to the greatest technology, uh, to the foundations uh, in our curriculum of painting, drawing, design and really create a level playing field to see if they would like to come uh, to college and be a art and design student. Uh, It's been a wonderful thing. We've we've had it since the inception of the school, the pre-college art and design. We also offer a summer art seminar, which is free to high school art teachers so that they too can stay up on their skills uh, and that's offered online and on site. So it's a the high school program's been really important because a lot of low socioeconomic students don't have access to equipment, and they don't have access to private art lessons. And a lot of times, their schools no longer have art. So it's been a it's it's been a very positive thing.
1: Terrific. Bart,
2: is there anything you'd like to follow up on here? Yeah, I, I, one of the things I've always been impressed in talking with you, Lisa, is your faculty. You have a very unique group of folks who work for you and work with the students. Uh, can you describe some of them? I mean, they I'm amazed when I, I hear the stories.
3: We have faculty who have uh, been on Avatar, on all the top uh, Uh, movies with special effects. Um, We constitute a huge percentage of Pixar's labor force, Disney's labor force. And when George Lucas was doing his Star Wars series, we constitute a huge number of George Lucas's uh, staff for artists. Um, So our our population, uh, our teachers themselves, make a living at it, even our fine art painters, uh, Craig Nelson and Bill Mon, they uh, make a, a very successful living through painting. Uh, the illustrators uh, do very well and they're all professional artists and designers who make a living at being a, as artists.
1: Well, I noticed that you also uh, have uh, a program that is basically, uh, STEM and the arts, and I know, of course, um, art is is in, that, in in STEM issues at uh, yeah. at Kaiser. But you know, one of the things that I think will, will surprise people as they is uh, they listen to you talk today is that you reach out in so many different directions, and I think people would be um, surprised to say, "Well, STEM, well, what does STEM have to do with the arts?" Uh, So maybe you give us a little bit of uh, enlightenment there.
3: Um, We have over 22 STEM programs. Mm -hmm. And I think a good example is Tom Matano, who runs our industrial design program. He's the father of the Miata. He designed the Miata. And we have, um, as we combine STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, with art because it all starts with a drawing so you have to have the artist the engineer has to have the person who comes up and draws the concept the visual developer so to speak so we add art so we have steam and that empowers these portfolios We have it in game design. We also have a bachelor of science in game design for students who want to code the back end of a game yet work with artists and take a little bit of art themselves for the hand skills. So the STEM combines the art, which really makes it a complete team. That's the collaboration because the artist is always at the table.
1: Well, I see also that you uh, you have uh, found a relationship between art and politics, um, which I think is is an interesting connection. And, and Art, I'll be interested to get your perspective on this and to uh, have a, a finger or maybe a, a whole arm in uh, in the political realm as well as education. So Lisa, what do you see as the Uh, the relationship or the interaction with art and politics.
3: We are an objectively based art school. Um, And what that means is we're, um, it means we're not subjectively based. There are subjectively based art schools and there are many of them. And we sort of stand alone, maybe with one other school that has this viewpoint where we're really teaching the facts, we're teaching people to do skill and craft, which we believe art has a big component to skill and craft. And we're teaching them the uh, broadest uh, amount of, we're giving them the broadest uh, base in knowledge by focusing on the Renaissance, uh, which we view as the last greatest period of enlightenment in art. So the po- political part of it for us is really not in the equation because we're objectively based we give the students the facts we give them the skill set and then we let them draw their own conclusions so i my hat's off to art in all respects on politics i'd vote for art <laughs> <laughs> but we don't really Uh, it doesn't cross our bridge because we're not letting people do their own thing. We're actually instilling discipline and structure on the artists. And that's why we're unique. Not every artist is going to be able to either wants that discipline or will be able to do that discipline. But for those students who want the discipline and the structure, we're excellent at that.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, Art, once again, how does that sort of uh, mesh with your experience?
2: Well, I that's first I've heard that from Elise and, and that we have the same philosophy in that in order for someone to be successful in a career field, they not only have to have the personal discipline, but they also have to have the intellectual discipline. And it is about a structured learning environment where many of our uh, public friends and colleagues, they tend to, uh, it it kind of, the student's choice of what they wanna learn and where they wanna learn it, how they wanna learn it, where at our institution, we still have dress codes and attendance codes and, and, and We provide a very specific structure because our students are a little different from Elisa that are adult learners for the most part. Um, They've been to other institutions and have not been very successful there. And it's our job not only to finish them from a career standpoint, technical knowledge, but to give them the skills to make them very competitive out in the marketplace. And that's exactly what Elisa said. I was very impressed by that, especially in the world of art which i think of a very different kind of student i think the more subjective based student is what i perceive art students to be
1: well one more twist and turn from uh, from my perspective here and that is something i found fascinating and i actually saw a, a picture of this uh, as i was uh, doing a little research on you elisa and that is that you have an automobile museum how the heck did that come about <laughs>
3: Well, we're one of three schools that teach car design in the country, one's in Southern California, one's in Detroit, and one's in San Francisco, and we are in San Francisco. And as I previously mentioned, Tom Matano heads that program, and he's done a wonderful job uh, with that program. But <clears throat> early on, we were noticing that the students' designs were not as strong as we felt they should be. Uh, maybe. 18 years ago. And the reason for that was we realized that the students had been limited in what they'd been exposed to. They'd only seen mass production. They'd only seen cars with planned obsolescence. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. However, they didn't understand the history of the automobile and where it started, where a person would come and order a car and six designers, would then talk to that person and then they work together to build a car with honesty and integrity. And then that car, the thought process is that that person, Mr. Kaiser or Ms. Stevens would have that car for a lifetime. And that would be our car. And you even see in these older cars, plaques that say, this is the car of Mr. Kaiser. So for example, So we decided that we would make this museum with classic cars, many from the thirties and forties, some pre-war so that the students could come down, see the car, smell the car, touch the car, draw the car, walk around the car and get a better idea of design. And their designs have improved by virtue of being visually exposed to these classic cars and the museums open to anyone, to the public by appointment. And we have wonderful docents uh, who give tours of the vehicles and the vehicles, really the collection was built to show change in design over time. So that car designers, the students could see, wow, If in 1948, we design a car that looks like this, a Cadillac, and then boom, in 1949, a drastic shift in design happens. The question is, how do you expect the consumer to adjust to that shift in design? So that's why we put that collection together. We also felt San Francisco deserved to have an automobile museum. It doesn't have one and we are it. So I'm very proud of it, and um, the students have benefited greatly
2: by having it. Wow! I've been lucky to go to the museum, and I am a car buff, and they have an incredible collection. And if you if you study cars at all in history, there's cords, there's a Mercedes 300 SL. I mean, you've got an incredible collection of automobiles, uh, Packards. Duesenberg's, it, it, it's spectacularly so. Wow! Thank you. Well, I, all I can think of is who knew? I mean, <laughs> well,
1: people are going to know now, so that's really interesting. Well, Art, I'll give you one more shot. If you've got anything else you'd like to ask before I wrap it up here,
2: uh, what's your future? How's the future of art in terms of higher education? Where, where, where's the Academy of Art University going?
3: I think you know. I ask myself that every day because art's moving so fast, and so you're always questioning several times a year, where are we now? Um, I think the future is uh, is AI driven. I think that's a positive thing for the artist. Um, again, it firmly establishes them controlling technology. Um, I think. The hand skills, uh, the foundations, the fundamentals are still will be remain very important, and we work very hard to bring instructors in from all over the country and world who have those hand skills, and <clears throat> and work with them to uh, make sure our that uh, those skills are translating and being passed down through generations. So I think the past, present, future is the same with the fundamentals and the technology is what uh, is changing and we'll stay ahead of that as much as we can. We'll stay with it as much as we can and try to move as fast as technology is moving. And I think the jobs, artists will not be replaced by AI like some jobs will, but not not the artists. I think if, if you want job security, being an artist is the way to go.
1: Wow, well, thank you for that. Well, and as we wrap it up here, at the end of every podcast, we ask our guests two questions. Uh, the first is, uh, what have we not asked that you'd like to tell us about the Academy of Art University? Um, and the second one is you've talked about the future of of art education, but how do you see outside of that niche where higher education is going?
3: In some respects, higher education uh, might be in a little bit of trouble. I think it's it's necessary, of course. I think we know people with advanced degrees or college degrees earn more money. But I think, um, some higher education has outpriced itself. I think the market is rebelling against that a little bit. I think um, higher education, uh, people want to get in and out of college. They don't want to be on an eight-year plan, five-year plan. They want skills, Um, they want information that's going to get them an employment, a career uh, or a job. I think it's going to be a case of lifelong learning. I think it's been this for a long time. I'm not sure. Traditional academia has adjusted that notion where people will come for a year or two, hop out, work, come back. People even with a degree will still come back for more information over time. I think, um, Technology is driving part of that. Um, I think it's really important that America stay competitive in higher education and that's gonna require um, information and classes that are relevant to today's market. And I think um, higher education needs to move faster because I feel I can't move fast enough to adjust because art and design is moving so fast But I'd like to see the advanced, the degree, the bachelor's and master's uh, become more flexible, I think, for um, people to enjoy that information.
1: Well, with that, uh, I think uh, we're going to call it a wrap here. And I want to first thank my my co-host today, Art Kaiser, Chancellor of Kaiser University. Art, thanks very much.
2: It's been my pleasure and honor.
1: And it was great to see you again, my friend. And we want to thank our guest, Dr. Elisa Stevens, the president of the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. And with that, everyone, you've just ed up. It's time to level up. The beginning of a new
0: era in higher education begins with you. Order your copy of Commencement, The Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education, by Kate Colbert, Dr. Joseph Lucio, with contributions by Elvin Freitas, It's higher education's must-read book of 2022. Discover how you can seize the moment to change higher education forever. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education now available on Amazon. For bulk orders, contact Kate, Joe, or Elvin.